0: Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast. It is... I think this is episode 39, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I am in the car, driving home from a gig. It's midnight, and I had an out-of-town gig tonight, so... uh, I've got, like, a two-hour drive ahead of me, so I figured... This might be a good way to stay awake. So I'm going to talk and drive. Patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. What I what I did is you know at some point I started realizing like I can put in these you know these sex tuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than it is. Polyrhythms, polymeters, what are they? How are they related? How are they different? Let's take a look. Before I set up anything in a session, I tried to find out. Hey, what's the first song we're gonna do? Can we go listen to it? Is there some kind of demo? And then, cause I hate I hate just like throwing up like any old cymbal, snare drum, and whatever. Um, building a kit and then going to listen to the songs you're know, like, oh well, I wouldn't use half the stuff that's up here. The way to be successful at something is you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. You do not care. You are just in it. You can't wait to wake up because you get to start again. And when you go to sleep, you hope that you dream about it. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about passion. I, I really feel like that's the really under-emphasized part of being a drummer is getting set. What happens is you're moving the accents. Everywhere possible, in a measure of four-four, a measure of three-four, and a measure of five. You break four. it down, you know. Sometimes you'll do threes in each hand or whatever, but it's a, it's a combination of just those two things. And throwing in a single kick drum or a double kick drum, and now you have these odd phrases. You this has been a crazy time. Um, let's see, I played. I I played tonight. I played tomorrow night. I play Sunday, but I also played last night and the night before that. And the night before that, I was in Florida doing, uh, let's see, I'll work backwards. How was that? I'm going to work backwards. I'll jump forward, and then I'll go backwards. So Sunday, I've got my, uh, my gig at Bodie Spiritual Center in Chicago. It's a killer place. The band is just unbelievably good. Um, and the singers especially are just a powerhouse. So if you're in Chicago and on a Sunday ever in the morning, I highly recommend coming and checking that band out. And the service is always slamming. Uh, the, the, the leader of the, of the community, Lola Wright, is a brilliant woman who has a lot of powerful things to say. And it's a fun way to spend a Sunday. So that's what I'll do on Sunday. Tomorrow night, I have a gig with uh, BK, a band called BKO which is the band I do a lot of most of my like corporate work with tomorrow night I don't even know where we are tomorrow oh yeah we're yeah we're we're, we're laughing because we're kind of doing a suburban tour right now um, usually this band plays just all the big rooms downtown Chicago the Drake and the Four Seasons, and the Palmer House, and the University Club, and Art Institute, all the kind of high-end, fancy places, but this weekend, we we're playing some suburban places, which is also cool, but it's just a little different vibe, it's actually, I actually, there, there, are, there are good things about playing in the suburbs, um, for instance, it's free to park in the city, Man, well, spot hero helps, but I mean, you can pay thirty six bucks just to just to play the gig. So it's always nice to kind of take a break from that. Um, and that's about it. Otherwise, it's a lot more fun to play in the city. <laughs> um, so tomorrow night, I'm kind of like a pretty cool place. Actually, this place it has a really nice. Um, theater they do musical theater in the round out out there called the Marriott Lincolnshire it's a, it's actually really kind of a nice resort and then uh tonight i played almost up in madison wisconsin just just about 20 minutes short of that at a, a really neat kind of warehouse loft sort of thing again with BKO tonight um the small band. So it's a nine piece band tonight. Tomorrow night will be the 13 piece band. Um, And that was fun. And then last night I played a little corporate event with a trio, Chris Clementi and John Sable played in a group we call hitstrumental where we're just doing instrumental versions of pop tunes. We do a bunch of corporate events, a ton of corporate events with that, that band. And that's always fun. And the night before that, I played at a cafe, a wine bar cafe, super super cool place, down by Millennium Park in the city with the Chris Siebold Trio. That's Chris Siebold and Tim Fox and myself. And Chris, if you're a Prairie Home Companion fan, he was the guitar player on Prairie Home Companion for about two years before uh, Chris Thiele came in and sort of took over the whole thing. So so Chris is a fantastic guitarist he also plays with Howard Levy and Howard is uh, the harmonica player in Bela Fleck and the Flecktones uh, and, and Chris and I have a ton of history we've played a bunch of gigs we played for years together we've known each other for uh, 12 or 15 years or something so that was fun and Tim Fox we the three, the three of us have a lot of history and then of course John Sable and Chris and I have a lot of history. and Chris Clementi and I definitely have a lot of history. We have like maybe 12, 13 solid years of three to five gigs a week together. It's uh, definitely we play a lot together. Um, and then, okay, so you back that up, and then one day earlier, I was in Sarasota, or I was actually in St. Petersburg, Florida, doing a drum clinic at Seminole Music. And Seminole Music is a cool place. John Spinelli is the manager of the drum department, and they do a lot of cool clinics. Uh, Benny Greb was there. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, a ton of people. They've, a lot of people come through there, but, uh, Benny was the one I remembered the most. So I did a drum clinic and it was, that was fun. And it was basically based on, um, the drum mantra foundational series book. So I kind of went in detail about the three to four polymetric relationship and kind of the rhythmic perception experience that occurs. Uh, across the, that field of, uh, of polymetric relations, and so that was a lot of fun, and it's really interesting. I mean, I love talking about that stuff, and I can totally geek out on it, heavy and deep. And I always kind of get the feeling that I'm never, I'm never sure what people think about it while I'm doing it because it's such a different, such a different topic than your normal drum set drum clinic. I like to I like to more play like a pattern for a long time and, and then talk about it and and discuss it and listen to it and count it in different ways and sort of the mental game of drumming is something I'm I'm actually kind of a huge fan of that in my clinics so I did that and then earlier that day I was in um, uh, Sarasota Florida and I did a clinic at a college at University, uh, State College of Florida, Bradenton. Um, a friend of mine, Pete Carney, is the head of jazz studies there. And I reached out because um, I knew I was going to be in town. So he brought me in to talk to his his jazz band. And it was great. They played for me. And then uh, I played with them. And then they asked a bunch of questions just to, in general about... The music business and lifestyle of a musician and the challenges and all that—it was great. It was a lot of fun to talk with them, and then back it up again. And the day day before that um, was my performance at the Ringling Museum in Sarasota with fourteen percussionists. The uh, you probably heard me talking about it in the last couple podcasts. I worked several months. I knew about the gig for a year. In fact, a year ago probably about right now a year ago I was asked to put music together for this concert and uh, sometime around April or May I got a little more serious I I was always serious and thinking about it of course but I started writing and uh, I was also writing the the 3030 back then too so I think Shane and my wife reminded me that that was more of my focus at that time so I think sometime this summer Maybe June, July. Maybe sometime in July. Once the thirty thirty started going, the first round of it, I uh, switched gears and started getting all the composition ready. So I spent, you know, a good three months working very hard, many, many, many hours uh, composing four pieces of music and also three improvisations that uh, ultimately culminated in a concert that. I can't believe it's been a week now. I can't even believe it. I mean, that's the weirdest thing to have something that you're looking forward to for a long period of time. And then, all of a sudden, you do it. And the next thing you know, a week has already passed. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, that was the main focus of my entire existence, was writing those Pieces. If I wasn't playing a gig, which was, I mean, September, I had 28 gigs. Uh, I was either doing that or I was writing, and it was almost like I was playing too many gigs. I was. It was hard. Anyway, and now it's in the rearview mirror by a week. It's crazy. Um, it went really well. It was a very interesting experience because. Part of the deal with the uh, with my portion of the concert. This was a a two day event at the Ringling Museum, and it was uh, fourteen percussionists that came in from around the country and performed seventy seven zero pieces of music over the course of two days. Very uh, intricate percussion compositions. Uh, several world premieres occurred that day, as as well as you know my my thing was also, I guess considered a world premiere. Um, but uh, just a remarkable group of percussionists who did some unbelievable stuff. I, I I got there Saturday afternoon, so I missed the first day. They they got there Thursday, and um, I missed. I basically missed all of it. <laughs> I missed all the per- performances. I got there just in time to uh, kind of focus in on drum Mantra live and get get all the instruments set up for that and you know, work through some miking stuff with the sound guys and and some of my computer stuff. But um, very interesting experience because part of my set was to include, the opportunity for guests of this concert to come up and perform with the ensemble they would be given little parts in the moment to play like a shaker or a tom or a suspended cymbal or something and so there was a there was an improvisation element outside of our actual professional musician realm which was really really interesting we had we had one guy Matthew Duvall who was the the spearhead for this whole entire thing he's a four-time Grammy winning percussionist with a group called eighth blackbird in Chicago and he is an insanely talented person and so he was the one kind of curating the people up into the the uh, instruments to be sat in with us Um, we did not have a rehearsal and I... my set was supposed to begin at 7.30 and the first time I saw the percussionist was 7.15 and the music that I wrote is very difficult and it was quite an adventure Um, about half of the guys had the music and had an opportunity to kind of shed it on their own and then probably another, the other half did not have the music, did not have a rehearsal, and were about to enter a sight-reading realm that was quite challenging. Um, but it went really well, and we got to a point... I, I I had to make I actually made a decision, and we did not play all of my pieces. We played, we played three of them. We skipped, we skipped one because the three four. There was one piece in four four, one piece in three four, and one piece in five four, and then another piece in three four. But the the, the first three four piece, it's a fourteen minute long piece, and it's very demanding and it's very tricky on the ears in a way that no one could have anticipated that had not seen the music ahead of time because the music itself isn't so terribly difficult to read but it's what I'm doing during it that makes it kind of crazy the basic premise is and maybe I'll I'll, uh, actually embed one into this podcast so you can hear it but the basic idea is, these are compositions that are, that are play-alongs. They're based on the play-alongs from uh, the Drum Mantra 30-30 course. The final day, 30-30, is the 4-4 four, four, four piece, the 3-4 piece, and the 5-4 piece. And I just took those play-alongs and orchestrated them to, out to 14 percussionists. And what happens is, it's a 32 measure long melody that starts off pretty simple with like quarter notes and eighth notes simple simple subdivision i mean simple syncopation and then after after about 12 measures the 16th note subdivision comes in and the melodies become increasingly syncopated and a little bit more challenging not necessarily harmonically or melodically but rhythmically so there's you know minor melodies happening, uh, minor as in you know very little note movement, but you know just just enough to give you a shape. Because the main issue is the rhythms that those melodies play. They're they're very uh, syncopated and they get pretty challenging. And you play a 32. That's a 32 measure long phrase, ultimately. And then every 32 measures, the entire piece of music modulates up diatonically up a uh, C major scale. So the first one is in C, the next one's D, E, F, G, A, B, C. And so you're playing, so these people are, are reading this music, sight reading the music, it's modulating, and here's what happens every time the modulation happens. Not only are they suddenly having to play in a new key, every 32 measures it's in a new key, but the main pulse of the piece shifts over by one sixteenth note, and that's what I'm doing. So I'm playing the snare drum accents, the first 32 bars on the downbeat, and I'm playing the melody with them in unison on the bass drum and accenting quarter notes. And then the second time the melodies repeat, I'm playing the melody with my foot, sixteenth notes on the snare drum, but I'm accenting the E's one, E and a two, E and a three, E and a four. And then uh, and then the ands and then the uhs, and then all eighth notes, the E's and uhs, and then the four four sections, then it's beats two and four, and then beat three. Now the three four section is where things got a little crazy, because it's hard enough just to read the music and keep up with what's going on, and the pulse starts to move beyond the partials of double based 16th note movement across the 16th note field so in the three four section the accents go like this downbeats ease then ands then uhs then all eighth notes and then the ease and uhs and then beats two and three so like instead of a backbeat on two and four if you're a three four time it's one two three one two three and then, after that is when it gets crazy. The final three sets of 32 measures, so the final 96 measures, is, is a little bit mayhem if you're not completely expecting it. What, happen is, what happens is, I go into accenting every third 16th note. One E and a, two E and a, three E and a, one E and a, two E and a, three E and a. Now... If you're not listening and not, I'm not, not, not if you're not listening, if you're really not locked into the melody that you're playing, you're hearing this new subdivision that's going across the measure in a different polymetric relationship. And it becomes very disorienting if you're not prepared to have the experience. Um, it, some of the melody lines. You could either think you're in three four or you could think you're in 12 eight and if you start to think you're in 12 eight things can get really crazy for you because once you get used to that and you're reading it in three but hearing it in 12 and then it takes a left turn and it doesn't fall in 12 sensation anymore it can throw you completely off and then after that first 32 measures it does it again with the three note groupings but it's shifted over by one sixteenth though. One E and a, two E and a, three E and a, one E and a, two E and a, three E and a. And then finally, you guessed it, the final one is one E and a, two E and a, three E and a, one E and a, two E and a, three E and a, for 32 bars. So, while that was happening, I could sense chaos starting to brew because not only did we have players who were trying to sight read and really doing a good job but we against the odds with the challenges of the rhythms that were happening we also had a whole contingent of improvising non musicians who were playing other things that were being made up so it was becoming a little bit too chaotic for me to guide properly um, You know, it's hard when there's, you know, 24 people with instruments and I'm sitting at a drum set and I'm trying to get everyone through a piece while I'm the one playing the most challenging part. It was very weird. Not weird, but I mean, it was just a, it was an intense moment. Um, So I made the executive decision to bail on the third piece, which was the 5-4, Because it is even crazier. I mean, reading in five is already a little bit weird. Because it's a long measure. It's always longer than four. And you want to hear it in four. And there's always an extra beat. And that can be disorienting. And then um, the accent structures are just like I said. But the final accent structure is every fifth, sixteenth note. So you you could start to morph your understanding of where the time is a little bit in that too. So I bailed on that one. I think that was a, a good call in the moment. And I, and I actually took over the drum jam and kind of conducted everybody in a little period of, of, uh, kind of improvised composition. I, I was yelling parts to people and improvising parts for different people. And, um, you know, controlling their dynamics and stuff like that. So it was fun. And then the final piece was called Dog Chance. And that song morphs into the Kraken Quartet from Austin, Texas. They have a song called Chance the Dog. So my piece was written to morph into their piece. So our set ends and their set began. Now, if you don't know anything about Kraken Quartet, they are awesome. You've got to check them out. K R A K E N. They're in Austin. It's two drummers that are playing kind of also two drum sets that are also playing like bells. And one of the guys is playing some synth stuff. And then another person is playing vibraphone, like through effects pedals and some percussion instruments. And then the other person is playing a, I never even saw what he's playing. I think it's a, I think it's a marimba. It may be a xylophone, but I'm pretty sure it's a marimba, a small marimba. And some synthesizers also. So it's like a percussion ensemble on steroids. And very cool. I really dig them. And I highly recommend checking them out. Um, so that was Sarasota. And that was a week ago. So crazy. Um, Drum Mantra Live was asked by some, some concert promoter was interested in having us play at a prog fest in Florida in May so we may be flying back down to do a Prague rock fest which is crazy because I definitely don't consider myself Prague at all never listened to it absolutely never played it I've never known people that like it enough to play it although now that I'm in Chicago I do know people who are away into Prague. In fact, uh, some friends of mine are in a band called District 97 and they they travel all over the place, all over the world playing Prague. And then, um, of course, there's a big Chicago contingent that's huge, Alan Holtzworthy and allies. So, uh, But that was never me. But it'd be funny to be all of a sudden the composer of music for a group that is considered or that is playing a a prog fest that i haven't even i haven't even spent this is as much time as i've spent thinking about that is me telling you on this podcast right now so that's funny um i'm gonna get a little sip of coffee here hang on a second Um, It's been interesting, I've been home, I've had a gig every night, and not much during the day, and one of the things during the day that I've been trying to do is re-listen to some of my pieces and start to figure out how to shape them a little differently for a different performance scenario, but man, to be completely honest i'm kind of I'm kind of tired <laughs> I kind of feel like I need to take a little bit of a break, and that's very weird for me because I go 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 but it it feels it's an interesting sensation for me um, I've definitely taken some naps during the day and have not felt guilty about like staying pretty chill because I still you know hit the ground running with gigs and stuff but I almost feel like I have to let go and and kind of you know, clear the clear my mind for a while, which is hard for me. It's important it's super important and uh, in fact, Probably what I need to do is meditate uh, on purpose somewhere besides when I'm sitting on the couch or before I'm about to fall asleep taking a nap. That is something that I need to wrap myself back into I think that would be very helpful and to do more yoga that's important I don't know if you do yoga but once you do it you go oh wow I see life completely differently and if you find a good teacher someone who is it's where it's not an athletic event it's more about kind of the the subtlety of breathing and awareness, when that kind of stuff is being, you know, focused on in a class, you can really, it really kind of changes your, the way that you look at life. So that's important. And I definitely think I'm going to get into that again. I mean, I do own a yoga studio, (laughs) kind of, not really. My wife does, but I have a key to it. Because my studio is underneath it. So yeah, I think I'm going to get into some yoga. And I think I'm going to get into some meditation. Some purposeful meditation. Um, I don't know how long or how much. But I just... Man, to be completely honest, I don't feel like practicing. And I don't feel like writing. I have been spending a little bit of time... um, you know, I'm trying to to also maintain uh, Rich Stitzel music and all things Drum Mantra. So I have a meeting with a with a, a branding and marketing person sometime in November, and I'll be doing some other. I, I do I have a lot I do a lot of meetings, and I some most of the meetings I have are. Me kind of being called and and having a meeting with somebody that wants to have a meeting with me to pick my brain about something that maybe they heard me talk about on a podcast or something, or something I've posted. And if they live in the area, they might reach out to grab a coffee or something. And then I have another... That's one of the kind of meetings that I have. And then another kind of meeting that I have is... When I'm partnering with somebody on brainstorming ideas, whether it's uh, uh, performance ideas or business ideas, but it's something that I'm kind of proactively engaged in um, brainstorming concepts that I am would be, you know, the inventor of. And then the third kind of meeting is. The most rare for me, and that is something that I'm going to be doing more of, which is me seeking out people that I will be learning from. For instance, a professional uh, branding and marketing person. Um, Another person is a professional business manager who actually... Will help me really figure out the smaller details of running a business, which is Rich Stitzel Music, and helping me kind of navigate into the next realm. And speaking of navigating to the next realm, I just have to—if you're listening to this podcast—I need to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support because a few years ago I didn't this was just an idea that I had and now it's it's a business I mean it's something I spend my time doing and and it's reaching people all over the world and it's starting to have a an income component to it that allows me to reinvest back into the the business so it's pretty cool. I mean it's like a business is being born right now. So if you've been following me and listening to my stuff, you are a part of the foundation of Rich Stitzel music. Your support and your interest in what I'm doing is making it possible for me to do it. And it's amazing and I'm humbled and grateful to everybody that has watched a video or bought a book or taken a lesson or any of that stuff, even just liked a post. It's thank you, thank you, thank you. It's it's uh, it's interesting to build a business in this day and age when you're a an artist and an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I grew up I grew up promoting my bands, my original bands by hand drawing and cutting out pictures from magazines and making flyers and then Xeroxing them at wherever we could find a Xerox machine and then uh, stapling and taping posters to walls and and uh, light poles and stuff so that's how that was my beginnings of entrepreneurship is, is uh, running bands in the guess in the mid 80s up until about 2001 when I moved to Chicago that's what I did and now it's totally different with social media it just it completely opens up a whole new world where we're all connected and um, there's a lot of noise out there and if I'm if I'm cutting through some of that noise and and helping or inspiring you in any way please know that that is a sincere uh, gesture on my part that I am that that I am sincerely sharing information that I know from 25 almost 30 years of being a professional musician and um, and a drummer and a, and a thinker and so I just really feel like this is a great opportunity to share and Find that micro niche of people who who resonate with the things that I do and the things that I say um, and, and It's a two-way street not only do I appreciate your support on listening and, and using my materials, but you know in, I, I meet people Who might come up to me because they recognize me from something and and we talk and I really enjoy it, it, it's just such a it's such a cool exchange because when I meet somebody who kind of knows who I am first, and they're sort of excited about what I'm doing and they know a little bit about me. It is uh, it's a it's an amazing way to meet somebody because um, I don't know I don't know what it is I feel like we've I feel like because of that we already have a connection and I'm able to really open up to of learning more giving giving space to that person to kind of be authentic with me because when someone's really excited about the material that I create I already know what kind of thinker they potentially are because of what the material is so it's very cool very cool love it humanity is a, uh, a very cool place to live in, <laughs> which is I, I, I didn't always think that. I, I remember a period in my life. I remember sitting in a restaurant with my mom when I was a teenager and just saying, "People are lame, I don't like people. And I think maybe people maybe everyone goes through that where you just you're frustrated because you haven't gotten anything happening yet and you're blaming everyone else. I don't know. I don't know what the psychology was. This is not the podcast for that. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, even though I could. I know I could, but I'm not. I'm not going to do that. That's. But I will eventually. Just not today. Um. Because I want to celebrate people. Because it's good. I've I met so many people in the last 10 days in different places in the country and it just feels good to if, if you're if you're a musician, you know, musicians and business people who travel get to see a lot and depending on what it is that you're doing and the people that you meet it really is a uh, it, it's a great it's a great feeling to meet Lots of cool, enthusiastic, creative, artistic, intelligent people. So just know that they're everywhere. And and it's a and it's a fun, good, and healthy, inspiring uh, way to be. And I, I think that when you're open with somebody or you take genuine interest in somebody, they do the same thing. You just connect on a whole different level, you know? It's just the, like this, the superficial level of of uh, relations you can kind of get under that mass by just giving someone your real attention and uh, and respect and it, and it opens opens them up to and it's cool you make a real connection it's a good deal you do that in real life and then you become friends on social media that's a fun way to do life Well, okay, let me check, uh, let's see here, where am I? Gosh, I still have a long way to go in my drive. But this is helping me stay awake, for sure. Um, what can I talk about now? Well, I guess I could talk about a meeting I had the other day with, um, a local professional drummer in Chicago, um, he reached out and said he wanted to get together and talk to me about some things that he had heard on my podcast. So like I mentioned earlier, that was I actually had a meeting like that last week. And it's it's really interesting to get in conversations about the idea of either changing direction in life or tweaking life, or going, you know, even more niche, you know, sometimes, sometimes, um, you know, there might, there, there may be people who are like, I don't know, they, they, they they're like, uh, sell insurance or something, and then on, and then they also have a band, and so they're doing, they're doing one thing as a career, and then they're also doing another thing for fun, it's kinda of like a hobby, like they're playing music, they have a band, it's fun. And then maybe they also play golf. And maybe they also belong to a a club, so they're got a social aspect to their thing where they're, you know, go to dinners with other people or you know, what whatever. And all of a sudden, you've got a person who has a lot of different facets going on in their life. And that kind of makes up the way that they experience the world. And that's true for every human. Whether you are, uh, you know, whether you're a a waiter who also, I don't know, tutors high school kids and and, uh, likes to sing karaoke and, a book club, you know, whatever. I mean, every one of us has these little things that we do that kind of make up the time that we spend awake, and that's who we associate with, and that's kind of how we start to, def- to define our experience. So, as a musician, though, this is, this is definitely something that I went through and experienced, and this is something that we talked about in this meeting, is for me being a drummer is at the core and diversifying or going micro niche going way down into you know for me it wasn't like I'm playing drums oh yeah and I'm also gonna you know play tennis and I'm gonna run and I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that it's like nope for me it became I'm going to I'm gonna add being a composer I'm gonna add being a being an educator like writing a book I'm gonna add um, uh, practicing uh, practicing uh, you know disc- meditating into discovering a new concept and then spending lots of time practicing to be able to master that concept that was unknown to me before I discovered it (laughs) that kind of stuff that's what my diversification looks like um and so, and diversification can can look like anything, like I just said. So so this guy, and uh, he's a great drummer. Um, I don't know if he wants me to name his name, so I guess I won't. Super cool, super successful, plays tons of gigs, um, has a master's degree, and wants to take charge because he's discovering that the gigs that he's doing aren't necessarily the most fulfilling or he's done it and he's ready to, um, you know, open a, open a different door in in music. So, you know, not wanting to change things up, get more serious, you know, go in another musical direction. Oh, excuse me. Um. Uh, so we talked about that and we talked about what it is he wants to do and, and his, his biggest pa- you know I say I, at, the, at the time I, I, this was before I went to Florida so I was right in the middle of writing and like super like tirelessly writing and I said the first thing we need to do when we want to discover what it is that we should be spending our time and attention on is in your quietest moment, what is it that you think about the most? What is it that you're most excited to do? And what is it that when you're doing it, you could do it tirelessly for hours and days on end? And for some people that's, you know, building a model of a boat inside of a jar and for some people, that's uh, perfecting their golf swing. And for some people, it's practicing an instrument. It's, you know, It can be anything, but whatever it is, or, or drawing, or making art. Um, but whatever that is that you can do relentlessly with full focus and attention and complete dedication, that's your passion when you know that and you discover that you go all in. is my is my philosophy. And and this can be anything. I mean, there are 13-year-olds who are who are like playing video games and they have literally a million people tuning in to watch them play a video game. A 13-year-old kid. This has never happened in the history of humans. And it's legit. It's their passion. And they're so engaged in it. But they have the outlet of social media. So, the, so now the world can connect and experience someone who is fully engaged in their passion. That's the deal. That's the bottom line. I think that's the underlying essence of what it is that attracts us to others. Is being able to experience someone engaged in their passion. And the, the trick is to not be sidetracked by the details of what it is that they're doing. So, for instance, if this kid is playing, you know, some kind of video game and he has a million people watching him, to, to, to understand what it is they're experiencing is one thing. To experience someone who is dedicated to their passion. Period. After that it becomes messy because most people watch it because they want to watch the video game and they want to watch where the secrets are and they want to learn all the tricks about the video game the video game is not is not it is not it that's not the folk, that's not the that's not where the power and the energy is coming from that that energy and that attraction is coming from the connection of someone who is truly engaged in their passion. Think about that one for a while. Woo! I like that. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good thing to ponder. So what is it? What is it for you? Is what I was asking him. And he said without hesitation, he loves big band music. No hesitation. He has a big band. He loves running it. He loves thinking about it. He loves getting charts made for it. He loves paying for the charts. He pays the musicians to do the band. He loves the band. He has a partner, friend that kind of co-runs the band. And he says he's always calling them and telling them these new ideas. And, and I said, there it is, man. I mean, you're, you are, Acting with tireless energy towards something that you're really passionate about. So It's time to go all-in now. You can't just say I'm gonna quit everything I mean when you find what your passion is and it's not related to what you're actually doing Unless you're you know financially free You can't just say I'm gonna quit my job now and, and you know and go to the batting range every day you've got to slowly you still have to you still have to get practical with it and here's the deal here's the deal and i'm 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 i don't know i'm going to say this and it's a, it's it's a wake up call and it's a bummer and it's a weird thing for me to say but there are people who do things in their life that are 100% unrelated to their passion and It's kind of the majority of people in the world. And not only that, but a lot of them don't even know that there's an option. That is a bummer. That is a sad, sad thing to me. Um, For someone to go through life without any idea of what they're all about. It's crazy. So now here's the next thing, and this is going to be hard for, to, for, for some people to hear probably that are listening. If you're doing something and you're wondering what your passion is, or if you're doing something like you've got, you have a job and you think you know what your passion is and it's not related to your job think it's important to spend some time thinking about how did you get so far off course what is it that made you take one direction and shut down the thing that now you're calling your passion because I'm pretty sure and I, I feel like your your deep true passion is related to something, some aspect of who you were as a young person. Like as a kid. There are, If you really, really dig into it and look at the qualities of what your passion is, I think those qualities were things that were fascinating when you were a, a child or things that were prevalent in your experience. And... Eventually, when we began to learn skills, we take those qualities of who we experienced ourselves to be wherever we were, whoever we were around, um, and as you begin to develop skills as a young adult, you start to organize sk- those skills that kind of resonate well with these qualities that you were passionate about as a kid and it's the the crazy thing is if it's not a sport then it most likely is something in the creative field art, music, dance singing, writing philosophy whatever Because that repre- those, those concepts represent freedom. They represent the creative act. And the creative act is, is making something that wasn't there before. And that is the mystery and the beauty of the essence of life itself is creation. So there are, there are we can already divide things up into two different kinds of people. People who are de- who dedicate themselves to a sport are different than people who dedicate themselves to an art. Because a sport ah that's this is a tricky one, isn't it? To think about. I want you to think about this too. And think about how it is that I'm I'm kind of coming about justifying this. I guess the I guess the the, the deeper importance is There comes a time in someone's life when they, they make a left turn and leave their passion at the door because it's time to get serious about life. And that's the banking industry, and that's the medical industry, and that's the, the insurance industry, and the, and the litigation industry political industry and all these other things that I mean some families are you know have doctors for generations or lawyers for generations and that's just part of the DNA of, of how you grow up but I think if I mean and there's nothing wrong with that if someone if someone is is passionate about being a lawyer, then yeah. I mean, if if, if you're going to be sick and you have to go to a doctor, you definitely want someone who's very passionate about being a doctor. So, pretty good chance that people in those fields are very passionate about what they do. I just played a, a, a corporate event for a bunch of lawyers for this law firm and talk about passion for what they do. These, these people were super in to being lawyers, I mean, they love it, doctors love what they do, it would be awful to, to go, you know, get on a plane and the pilot was like, oh yeah, I guess it's a, I guess I'm cool flying, you know, whatever, it's not that, you know, I, I could take it or leave it, it's like, what, you want that pilot to be so passionate and so excited that, I mean, every time you get on a plane, I always think, it always seems like the pilot is so excited to fly that plane it's not mundane because they're tirelessly engaged in what they are resonating with, their passion. So, if you're very far off from it, the most important thing you can do is start to figure out what it is and to start focusing in on it. And do it as often as you can with, the, with sincerity and for instance, let's say you're a banker, and you've you've every time you get a guitar in your hands, you just time time slips away, and you know four hours is already gone, and and you loved it. And you just you can't wait to do it again the next day after work. It's important to kind of look at that and take that seriously, and and figure out how to continue to 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 dedicate yourself to it now there are only a certain amount of hours in the day so if you can't dedicate more time you have to learn how to dedicate more quality time Um, and and quality time comes from uh, being focused on the finer details of what it is that you're doing because four hour, I mean, yeah, you could be in bliss jamming along to Pink Floyd records on an acoustic guitar for four hours and, and be totally excited to do it the next day. Well, where is that really going to get you? you? It'll put you in the loop of playing Pink Floyd songs, which Pink Floyd's one of my favorite bands, and that's awesome. But if you want to really discuss, that, that's less of a passion, that's more of an addiction. Um, the passion part comes from going deeper into what it is that you, you love. So if you love playing Pink Floyd and you love jamming along to them well it sure would be helpful if you understood what you were actually doing on the guitar because then you could jam along to any record. That opens up that whole world just by virtue of understanding what what, what chord shapes are and how harmony works. And then and then you can expand your horizons even more and start learning how to improvise by learning the rules of harmony and rhythm and, and melody. And then, hey, you're improvising. You start to explore the idea of songwriting. Real songwriting, not fake song. You know, not, not plinking around songwriting, but songwriting where you understand what, what it is you're doing Technically, you, you understand the chor- how the chords are going together, the form of the song, and you're starting to recognize phrasing, and you're starting to understand more about in- intonation. And then, oh, you're, you're writing songs. Man, you better get a computer that you can get a DAW so you can start recording. And you want to do more than just one stereo mic. You want to have multi-tracks so you can add a, a second guitar part then, oh man, I'm loving what these demos that I'm making, but I sure wish I could get them to sound better. I need to find a studio. Oh man, my music sounds great in the studio, but gosh, it sure would be cool if I had real musicians playing with me. And the next thing you know, you're not a banker anymore. You're in a band. living your passion. <laughs> Very simple. Scary while you're doing it, but a very simple process. Dive in as deep as you can every day to what it is that you love and eventually it will open an entirely new world to you. Now, I myself have been a drummer professionally since 1991. So that's 30, that's twenty. Uh, 27 years, 27 years of being a professional drummer. So when you do that, and I, I, not a day goes by where I'm bored, never. In fact, I'm, I'm more excited about the infinity of playing than ever before, and I've always been excited about it my entire life. Sometimes I'm tired and I don't want to do it, but I'm inspired. The fire is huge and the passion is definitely there, but sustaining passion for 27 years at a level that is artistically satisfying and financially satisfying. And, with it, and it happening in a blink of an eye is telling me that that I'm aligned with my passion and I can tell you this even as early as even as recent as 10 years ago even 6 years ago I would wonder am I really a professional musician am I really cut out to do this and, and then I think wait a second it's all I've ever done yeah I am that's what I'm doing And I, you know, and I think about that from time to time because as a musician, we can go through a lot of, um, stressful moments, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of, um, uh, fear, a fear of lack for, you know, you gotta always have gigs. You gotta be able to pay the bills. I mean, it's a lot of, there's a lot to it besides just jamming out on a, on a drum set. Um when it becomes an actual career but I can't remember where I was going with that now too bad it's late cuz I'm cuz I'm kind of tired it's 1 in the morning now I've been talking for let me see I've been talking for 1 hour um I guess I I guess I can kind of get back into focus by saying I go into the micro niche of my passion now and it is still in perfect harmony with what I do that to me is an amazing place to be and a magical feeling when when the next piece of passion that arises in you is one hundred percent related to what it is that you already do, it's just a new avenue. It's a new book that you're going to write about the same thing that you're already doing or talking about, or it's a new composition. Or it's all it, it all becomes one universe of your own, your own invention. That. To me, is the goal to create your own world with your own rules and your own ideas in a way that not only continues to self-inspire and self-sustain yourself but to also inspire anyone that comes into contact with you to do to go deeper into their own passion that's been my I mean golly this was 12 15 years ago 12 years ago probably that I wrote a little manifesto for myself and part of that Was my intention when I perform is that everyone that hears me is receiving the purity of my intention to play music from a space within me that is completely connected to the expression of my soul. As a catalyst, to inspire in them the energy and drive to discover and or refine their own passion. That is my manifesto that I wrote 12 years ago. And it's still true today. And the the awesome thing is, when you find other people that are like that or at least on that path man it's totally different it's a totally different way to relate with with other humans because there's a purity there there's a there's a there's a there's a purity to what it is that they do and it makes it possible to interact with someone that has nothing in common with you and still appreciate the depth of their passion I think I'm going to have to think about this one for a little while more I mean, I, I definitely believe that and and, and feel it but, I, but maybe I can figure out a way to, to, to develop all of this stuff into another way of about it, or maybe a way of practicing, or a way of, maybe I can compose something that kind of envelops this. So I'm driving past the Fisher Nut Company right now, uh, out in, kind of near Barrington and Schomburg, if you know the geography of the greater Chicagoland, I'm heading into the city, but I turn before I get to the city, I live in Evanston, which is uh, the first town outside of the city limits of Chicago, same county, Cook County, but um, I live about three miles from the border of Chicago, and the next town, first town in Chicago is Rogers Park, and that's where we lived before we moved to Evanston, and Evanston just, you know, the the school district situation in Chicago is hardcore, and it's very challenging to find a good school that you're anywhere near, and we needed to simplify things, so it was easier to move to Evanston where the school districts are good, really good, really, really good. So, anyway, I live in Evanston, and uh, if you're ever in that area... Let's have coffee. November 26th. This is an early warning. November 26th. Vic's Drum Shop is hosting a drum mantra intensive. And the drum mantra intensive is a two hour long hands on event where we have 10... participants, each person is at a pad, they have a a bass drum pedal onto a pad, and they have a snare drum pad, sticks, and the foundational series book, and we play through exercises from the book, and discuss rhythmic concepts, and practice them together for two hours, almost without stopping except when I stop to blab for a minute on something that I get excited about, but it's a really cool experience and it's awesome that Vic's drum shop, they've hosted a couple of these. So this one's going to be November 26th. It's a Monday night, 6:30 to 8:30. 30. Uh, only 10 people are going to be able to come to this first one. If it sells out, I'll probably add another day. Um, but if you're interested and if you're in the area, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun playing these things with other people and everyone walks away completely in a new light with their understanding of rhythm. So again, Vix Drum Shop is hosting Drum Mantra Intensive Monday, November 26th, 6.30 to 8.30. You can register at richstitzelmusic.com so when you go to my website, the first thing you see will be the Chicago Drum Mantra Intensive and you just click on that button it's $30 to sign up for 2 hours if you have the book already and if you don't have the book, it's $50 and that includes a copy of the book and the books are usually 25 so you're going to you save $5 on the book and you enter a whole new realm of rhythmic understanding. So, I love doing these courses, these little intensives and hopefully you can join us. So, I guess that sounded kind of like a commercial right in the middle of my podcast. If you're holding on still and still listening to me, I remember being on the road Many, many, many years ago, and we would listen to the AM station, Bill Mac. The Bill Mac, I can't remember what the show was called. I can't remember what his show was called. But we would listen to these late, three o'clock in the morning AM radio shows. Of that one, and then there was another one about oh, what was this called? It's been so long. It's the one where the all the conspiracy theory UFO stuff at Art Bell. So we would listen to Bill Mack or Art Bell, and man, it was like the most surreal early morning band driving through the mountains kind of radio. It was a lot of fun. Haven't done that in 20 years, but I still remember it. Well... I'm coming up on Schaumburg here, where my daughter lives. She's a senior in high school. And in two weeks we're gonna fly out to Manhattan, Kansas. She's gonna check out K-State University. And the band director there is totally hooking us up. We're gonna hang with the band um, during the day and then we have, they're giving us tickets to the football game. So we're gonna go hang with the marching band at the football game. K-State versus Texas Tech I think. I don't know. I am not a football. This will be my first college football game in my life. But um I have a lot of K-State people in my family. A lot of people went to that school. My parents went there. My grandfather wrote a fight song for the school. And there's also a scholarship uh, his name is Matt Betten, and there's a Matt Betten scholarship at K-State for musicians. So that'll be fun to go back. That's a town that I visited as a kid because my grandparents lived in that town in Manhattan, Kansas. That's where the National Association of Jazz Educators H- national headquarters was was in Manhattan, Kansas. <clears throat> so we would go back at Christmas time and hang with my grandparents and spend time in Aggieville in Manhattan, Kansas. So that'll be fun. That's in two weeks. And then... Let's see. What else is happening? Um, There's some other stuff in the works, but I'm probably not going to talk about it tonight. Because I think I'm going to be able to make it home now. I can't believe I talked so relentlessly for an hour that is so weird I never talk so strangest thing but oh well I guess it worked thanks for hanging on I think I'm gonna go ahead and and take off but uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast if you if you got something out of it and want to talk feel free to reach out on Instagram or Facebook or wherever I'm always happy to, uh, to answer questions or discuss things I think it's it's great to be able to to pull from a lot of experience when I get asked some questions. It's it's pretty interesting to be on the other side of the of the coin here in my life. So I guess it's time for me to become this person that has a podcast. So here we are. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. And if you're not on my mailing list, richstitzelmusic.com, I highly recommend doing that if you want to keep in touch with stuff I send emails out and send lessons out and all kinds of fun stuff there too but um, anyway I wish you all the best and until next time take care bye bye thank you so much for listening to the drum mantra podcast your time and attention is much appreciated I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating and please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice Take care.